With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kimar Roach, and I listen to the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition, another episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I'm one half the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. And yes, the, the background has changed. There's a teddy bear to, to, to my right. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's bedroom items to my left. I've had to move the studio. Um, my, my, my dad has taken... My dad has uh, taken over the, the 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 physical studio room and told me to go record this episode in my bedroom. But here it is. Your parents are always going to be your parents. But ladies and gents, um, hot off the heels of the previous episode where we where we spoke to Shunak Saka about associate cricket and what the rise of associate cricket in the context of West Indies cricket. I've got another special um, episode today, and this this one. This one is, well, I'd say even more exciting. And then let me give the context for this one. So about a month and a half ago, um, I went to, for those of you who are Londoners or know London, um, I went to Rich Mix, uh, which is, let's say, East London, around Shoreditch, Liverpool Street, etc. And um, I went to watch a film called 501 Not Out. And when we talk about the number 501, for any keen cricket aficionado, you should immediately know who that is going to be about and what particular cricketer that's going to be about. And it is, of course, the great Brian Charles Lara. And I think one of the biggest kind of debating points you have in cricket is who's the greatest batter of all time. And particularly within the, the Caribbean region and for fans of West Indies cricket, if you have a conversation about who's the greatest West Indian batter of all time, you can't, you probably, every other person, if not every person, Lara's name is in the conversation, if not number one. And then if we even consider it in terms of the greatest batter of all time in general, Lara's name is in the conversation, if not number one. And for anybody who's had the pleasure, who had the pleasure of watching Brian Lara play 
both domestic cricket around the world and international cricket for for the West Indies. Um, <laughs> if you had that pleasure, then the, the word the word is what it says. It was a pleasure. I myself remember one iconic innings uh, that Brian Lara played uh, at Sabina Park in, I always get the dates wrong, I believe it was 1999, home series versus, might be 98 actually, home series versus Australia, um, and he hit 2-1-3 um, at Sabina Park. And at the time, I had never, live in terms of face, in terms of my actual eyes in the ground, seen someone as talented um, as Brian Lara. And that's just one of his innings. That's just one. Never, never mind the actual iconic 375, the iconic 400, the iconic 501. So that all notwithstanding and, and that intro notwithstanding, when I went to watch um, the film 501, not out, um, I had been in kind of build up conversation prior to going to, to the venue with uh, the director, a gentleman by the name of Sam Lockyer. Um, I say director, um, he, te he technically also the star of the film as well. I mean, <laughs> he he plays a minor role in the context in terms of Brian Lara, but he's technically the star of the film <laughs> as well. And Sam and I had been in conversation about um, myself and Santoki coming to watch 501 out, and um, I was able to get the time to to kind of head across to to the cinema to go and watch it. And before I get Sam on the show, I want to say now, and I'll say it throughout the 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 forthcoming conversation with Sam, try and get along to watch this. Um, if it's available to rent anywhere, if it's available to stream anywhere, when those options come out, please watch this film. It is an absolute must. Not, not only for people who were alive at the time when Brian hit the 501, the 400, etc., but people who have heard about the kind of folklore of Brian Lara since he retired, it's still essential to watch. If you truly want to understand what made Brian Lara the person he was from a young, from a young youth to even Brian Lara now as well, I don't know how old he is now, 51, I think he might be to Brian Lara. Now this film is absolutely essential to kind of weave in the fabric together of, understanding Brian Lara's impact on the game. You know what? I hope Sam's happy with that intro, you know. <laughs> so, but without any further ado, let me bring Sam Lockyer onto the show. <laughs> Sam, how you doing? Hey, Mikhail. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, do you know what, Sam? I, I, I never tell... I always say to the guests, oh, I'll do a bit of an intro, and then it goes on for quite a while. But um, if, we, if we jump straight into it, I've tried to tell people who you are in the context of this 501 uh, Not Out film. But let me hand the floor over to you, actually. For anybody who's not familiar with your work, for anyone who's not familiar with the film, um, who is Sam Lockyer and what is 501 Not Out? Hey, hey Matt. Great to, great to see you today. Um, so my name's Sam, Sam Lockyer. I'm a director uh, based in Birmingham. Um, and 501 Not Out is a feature-length documentary all about the legend that is Brian Lara. Um, and obviously majoring on the 501 innings and his, I guess, that, that kind of six-month period where, well, six-week period, I should say, where he went from, he was obviously an established test cricketer. He, he you know, scored the 375, broke Sir Garfield Sober's world record. Um, and then in that six-week period, kind of went from that, did the 501, and he kind of went overnight global sensation, um, absolute superstar of the game. Um, yeah, it's, it kind of tells that story. 
So naturally, for for people who will be watching this on the visuals and 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 not listening on the audios, because we have a different audience for visuals and audios, uh, generally speaking, they will say, "Okay, Sam, cool, you 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 made this film." But then the 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 obvious first question is, "What made you want to make it?" Yeah, so for me, um, Brian was my childhood hero growing up um, in Essex in the mid nineties. Um, my dad used to take me to uh, matches uh, at Chelmsford. Um, back in the day, this was obviously, they'd be touring games. So the West Indies would come and tour, we'd play Essex at Chelmsford. Australia would come, we'd, we'd go and see Australia play Essex. Um, and I remember queuing up for Brian's autograph at the Boundary's Edge um, at Chelmsford in the summer of 95. Uh, that was when the Windies came over. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of in awe of him and everything that he'd achieved um, in that period. <laughs> I hope you understand this question, but so I too, and I too, and several millions others would have been in awe of Brian Lara um, in his early pomp around 95 and 94, 95. Um, even to now, if people met Brian Lara, I think they'd struggle to know what to say to him just out of sheer awe of, of meeting Brian Lara. But how do you go, for, how do you? <laughs> Uh, it sounds such a silly question, but you have to understand this from like the layperson who has no experience of these things. How do you go from an idea about, I want to make a film. So talk us through the process. I want to make a film or a documentary about Brian Lara. I guess weave the story together. How did you go from the initial inception of this is an idea that I've got to, and I don't mean making it, but this is an idea I've got to, yeah, let me fly out to Trinidad, go start speaking to some people. How, 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 how did you weave that kind of initial inception together? Yeah, great question. Um, so it was about a four or five year period. Um, I first had the idea to make the film back in 2015, 2016, around that time. Um, and I was kind of looking ahead to 2019 because that was the 25th anniversary of the 501 and the 375 and the Cricket World Cup in England and just loads, loads going on. Um, so I kind of earmarked that 2019 year to kind of make the film and get it out there. Um, oh, and it was Brian's 50th birthday as well, um, in, back in tw May 2019 as well. So, yeah, the, the kind of stars aligned, as it were. Um, and, yeah, it was a case of how can we get this film up and running, you know? So we actually did a crowd, we launched a crowdfunding campaign um, and we had fans from all around the world, fans of Brian, backing that crowdfunding campaign. We had one gentleman that put in £501, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, and more than that, he was from Trinidad. He was, he was a Trini uh, person and he helped us, helped us with loads of contacts for accommodation and um, contacts in terms of um, contributors. So people like Nikki Board and N Dr. Nigel Camacho, who are the co-founders of the Trini Potty Group, close friends of, of Brian Lara's as, as well. Um, so we couldn't have, the whole Trinidad trip couldn't have happened without we had two or three people that were really pivotal in helping us, um, you know, firstly with the crowdfunding and then secondly, actually the logistics and the access that we, we kind of needed to go to Trinidad and, and meet all these great friends of, of Brian and people at the Queen's Park Oval um, Cricket Club as well. Um, and when we got out there, everyone was so up for talking to us, you know, it was it was myself and my colleague James, who was my cameraman and two pasty white men <laughs> in the middle of, um, you know, early May, end of April, early May um, in Trinidad, boiling hot, 35 degree heat. We thought the cameras were going to melt. Um, but yeah, everyone 
you know, had open arms and, you know, everyone wanted to talk to us basically because obviously Brian is this absolute legend, you know, he's the Prince of Port of Spain. Um, so yeah, it, we, it was, it was a trip of a lifetime. I think we were out there for like eight or nine days. Um, and I don't want to give away too much, um, cause obviously I want people to, to see the film, but yeah, the, um, there were some pretty, pretty exciting, exciting moments that happened uh, while we were out there. When you kind of, okay, so you start the crowdfunding campaign and it looks like, you know what, we can pull this off. We're, we're going to be able to go out to Trinidad. We're going to be able to speak to kind of key individuals around yeah. Brian, all the kind of people who saw him as a youngster up until the, up until, uh, the present day, et cetera, et cetera. Was there a... Because it's not, again, obviously I've had the pleasure of seeing the film. It's not like there's a script per se, because it's a documentary. But did you have the outline of, this is what I want it to look like? Or was it more of a freestyle in so much as, let's see where these conversations take us? Because we don't know what people are going to say. We don't know who we might get a, a new contact with as a result of conversations, etc. <laughs> yeah, another great question. Um, I would say it was a bit of both. I had a vision for the film the story i wanted to tell um you know and it, and, it, and it was a case of taking audiences back to that moment in during the 6th of 1994 i've got the t-shirt on by the way um and um yeah it, it was a case of archive accessing archive footage that had never been seen before archive photographs um and obviously interviewing some big names you know we've got curtly ambrose alan donald uh, ian bell um mm. so the trini posse group founders jonathan agnew um some real big names from the world of cricket in in the film um and obviously i did all my did my research so i did have i had an outline of you know i wanted i wanted to take the thing for me was i wanted to you know find out where did it all begin and obviously mm. for brian it began you know in trinidad so i went, that's why i wanted to go out there to trinidad so that was part part of it is tracing his development his early development at queen's at queen's park cricket club um, you know his rise in, into the West Indies team, um, and then it was all all about you know him being signed for Warwickshire, you know the three seven five, and then getting signed for Warwickshire and stuff, and then and then the film kind of just goes on and, and kind of tells the story of that nineteen ninety four season. Um, so I had I had a vision, if you like, for the film and the narrative that I wanted to tell, um, but obviously with documentary make, you know, as you say, it's it's not it's not script necessarily scripted, so. You don't know, you know, some, you know, a few interviewees came, you know, people came up that we didn't necessarily had heard of before. And we're like, right, we're going to speak to that person. Mm. That's, that's, that's really, really great. That's got to go in there kind of thing. Um, and another thing was a fan, obviously being a fan myself, I wanted to track down fans that appreciated that moment. Um, there's two schoolboys that were yeah. part of the pitch invasion. Um, when Brian, you know, broke the 501 at Edgebaston and, I'd seen that iconic image of them in the pitch invasion. I was like, I've got to track these these two schoolboys down, you know, because they're probably about my age now. So I was quite interested in that in telling their story. So that was that was a part of it. And and I think in a lot of these feature documentaries on these big superstars, sporting superstars, they don't you don't often have the fans' perspective. Yeah. So that was a critical thing for me as a filmmaker. I wanted to kind of get that across in the film as well. Yeah, and I thought I I thought that was. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it, like, the film's so good, but I thought that was a really nice touch um, to get the fans' perspective on, just because it's almost like, 
I don't know how. To, I don't know if this makes sense, but again, for me, I'll give the uh, kind of um, answer from my perspective. When they came on the screen, I felt it like it was it was like me on the screen. If that makes sense, in so much as the fans' genuine perspective of this is what it felt like, as just uh, they were like school kids they would have been like 13 14 15 or whatever it was at the time and that kind of resonated to how it would have felt for someone like myself who would have been young at that time that around that age at that time as well trying to take in um what what lara had uh, had achieved and i think again not trying to give deliberately not trying to give away a lot from <laughs> from from the film itself but uh, one of the things that really really hit as well in the film was when you, I think, I think that's when Jonathan Agnew is actually on the screen and you make the reference to Brian Lara cricket. <laughs> and it's weird, Sam, because when that part of the film happened, I, I remember being sitting in my seat going, Oh yeah. And it's weird because of course, Brian Lara cricket, but you grow up or people like yourself and myself grew up playing Brian Lara cricket without probably understanding what he'd actually done. And it's only when um, Agnew comes on the screen and it brings up the kind of context of Brian Lara cricket that you realise this guy was a proper bona fide global superstar. It, it sounds silly. It sounds silly to say a court like now we look back and go, yeah, of course he was. But at the time, I think it was hard to appreciate or understand the wider kind of context of what he was actually uh or the impact he was having on on the world game and i'm just mm -hmm. i guess the question out of that is was that something you kind of picked up as well in terms of piecing everything together even you as a fan at the time but you're now filming in retrospect did you even yourself pick up on well this guy's impact was even greater than i even realized yeah 100 100 i think when i met the photographer um graham um, I can't remember his uh, surname, but um, he he mentions um, that Barack Obama mentioned that uh, Brian was the Michael Jordan of cricket. Mm. Graham Morris, Graham Morris is a photographer yeah. who's travelled all around the world, um, taking photographs of the England team, the West Indies team, amazing photographs, stunning photographs. And yeah, Graham said, "Oh yeah, you know, Michael, you know, Brian was essentially, you know, Barack Obama said." you know brian was the michael jordan of cricket you know and when i heard that i was like wow that hits home that barack obama the you know u.s president one of the most famous people in the world if he's saying that about brian brian is a big deal you know and yeah. obviously michael, michael jordan was a massive deal um so yeah like the second half of the film like touches on the legacy brian's legacy and his impact around the world mm. and as again as a fan as a cricket fan um Growing up, um, went to studied in Birmingham, and that's where you know, twenty odd years ago, when I'd, I'd go to Edgbaston to watch Warwickshire play, and that kind of love of Warwickshire kind of emerged then, and um, would see the, the iconic photographs of of the five hundred one, and think, I've got, one day I've got to make a film about this, you know. Um, <laughs> but that that whole legacy, you know, was it was exemplified in that video game, and I played that I played that video game with my mates in this in student digs. You know, on yeah. the Xbox, um, think about Brian Lara, two thousand and seven, or something like that. Um, and you know, you could literally, you know, <laughs> smash four, smash sixes everywhere. 
or clean, you know, bowl people out for 20 and things like that, bowl, bowl your mate's team out for 20 yard and have a bit of banter and stuff. And um, yeah, it's just a great video game, first and mm. foremost. Playability-wise, it's it, it's great fun. And obviously had its quirkiness with the, you know, didn't have the licenses to the real names. So it had kind yeah, of yeah. like funny names. And then obviously the commentary with Aggers was quite quite quirky and have had a few bugs in it and things like that. Um, so, yeah, but obviously it was the number one selling game in the UK gaming charts, you know? So again, it shows that Brian transcended transcended the sport. And a lot of, I always thought this, that there would have been people that would have played the video game that wouldn't necessarily have played cricket or yes, even heard, exactly. of, heard of Brian prior mm. to, you know, they might have gone to their local HMV or our price if it was back in the 90s, you know, um, and game, you know, gone to game and bought the Brian Lara cricket video game um, and played it and then discovered him through that and then became a fan of Brian Lara, a fan of cricket potentially. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can underestimate, you know, there, there was, I think Shane Warne, there was a Shane Warne uh, video game, I'm pretty sure as well. So, um, and I think Freddie Flintoff has appeared on video games and things like that since. So these are the kind of like top, top superstars of, of the game. Um, but it wasn't just, obviously it wasn't just a video game, you know, there's, he, he had gene sponsorship deals. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was with a company called Joe Blogs. He sadly didn't, he missed out on the Levi 501 <laughs> deal, which would have been, would have been awesome. Um, but I think the, the Joe Blogs deal worked out pretty well for him anyway. But, um, you know, he was a, you know, he was a good looking guy, Brian, you know, let's not, let's not beat around the bush, you know, good looking guy, top of his game. Um, and yeah, at that time he was one of the first cricketers to have, you know, all this kind of attention and these kind of sponsorship marketing deals and stuff. And if you fast forward to now, it probably, a lot of these guys in the IPL are getting this kind of attention now, but he was one of the first back in the, in the mid nineties. And I think the guys in, you know, playing the game now have a lot to be grateful to, to Brian for really. The, the the other thing that kind of ties in with that, that again comes across really well in the film and again is something I think I took for granted, maybe because I was younger, but I think possibly the world of cricket took for granted. And I think the archive footage that you get really brings it home is actually how young Brian was at the time. And it, it, it kind of just brought some of that archive footage that you've got. And I just, just talked to me about sourcing the archive footage, but some of that footage that you've got, like when I think there's one line in it where like Brian was only 24 at the time and you've got like all of the, I think Warwickshire had to rent out some space that they'd never, because there were so many cameras around him, the footage of the cameras at what must've been Heathrow or Gatwick airport when he makes the 501, all the cameras surrounding him. And I think the following day after the 501, you've got footage of him being um, all the papers surrounding him in London. He's wearing that, bowler hat or something and then he goes to the oval to then play and he hits a 70 odds after like all of that footage is insane sam how did you go about sourcing and getting all those archives etc yeah that was probably one of the biggest undertakings <coughs> in the film in making the film was sourcing the archive um and it's just painstaking research you know and um we had a number of big players uh, that were supported have been supportive of us you know, f- f- tracking down that archive. So um, ITV were really, really helpful. 
um, actually gave us a- access to archive for central news footage. Um, so that that was great, and we, we you know we we trawled through their their archive. Um, the BBC, a lot of the B- B- BBC footage. Um, there's yeah, there's just masses, there's masses, and there's but there's also fan footage. That we, you know, we yes. wanted to we wanted to you know there's a, there's a fan there's some fans that actually make it to the stadium and take their video camera down, and that that footage had never been seen before. You know, mm. so it's things like that as well. It's tracking down. You know, fan footage. Um, fo- fo- there's loads of loads of stills as well in there, um, and some of which, you know, iconic photographs of Brian growing up in Trinidad. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just a case of f- far and wide, you know, reach, um, and just doing a ton of research, and then hoping that the big players would be supportive of what we were doing. Um, and, and help us with the access. I, I should point out as well, and I didn't say this at the top of the show, so so um, my apologies for, for those who didn't know. Um, the filming or the screening that I went to see was part of the Windrush Film Festival, um, which was throughout um, June um, in England. And the reason why I make reference to that, Sam, is because, of course, like you said, the, the film originally came out in 2019, and some people listening to this, whether the Caribbean, whether those based in the Caribbean or our, or our, our diaspora audience, I'm fairly certain that those listening to this episode will be like, I've got to go see this. I've got to go catch this. Um, but would it be fair to say that when you released it, the pandemic had a had a massive kind of impact on getting it out there? Because I think you released it just, what? maybe six months before the world shut down, maybe maybe give or take more. Um, so what impact has that had on, I guess, trying to get, get it really out there for the, the wider cricket public to, 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 to embrace? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had a UK cinema deal, like a, a deal. We were going to get it out there in picture house cinemas. You know, we, we were in talks with picture house anyway, you know, they, they were really keen um, to, to, to get it out there in UK cinemas. <coughs> and, um, yeah, obviously the, the pandemic hit and then all the cinemas shut. Um, and it was like, gosh, wow, okay. Um, that's not ideal. Um, and we we got selected for the film to open the Trinidad and Tobago Film Festival, which is the biggest film festival in the English-speaking Caribbean. So that was a huge deal. Um, and again, I couldn't fly. It, 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 the festival was done virtually because of, mm. of COVID because um, all, the, all the flights were grounded. So I didn't get the opportunity to go out there uh, to Trinidad for that. But still, the film got screened virtually, and you know people around the world could watch it and enjoyed it. You know, which is which is great. Um, but yeah, it, that was tough. That was a tough. Uh, the timing wasn't wasn't ideal. Um, but on the positive side, we've kind of had a bit of a second coming. Yes. Um, this this year, like you said, with the Windrush Caribbean Film Festival, that was huge. That was a huge deal um, to screen at Shoreditch, our London premiere. And the great man came <laughs> came along, which was awesome, absolutely awesome to see him there. And um, yeah, sitting next to him, watching him uh, watch a film that I'd made about him, my hero, <laughs> it was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, and thankfully, he enjoyed it, <laughs> which was good. Um, and, lo- lo- you know, and a lot of quite a few of his friends came along, and um, 
Daniel Bell Drummond, you know, great yeah. cricketer at Kent. I think literally a few days later, he scored 300. Um, yeah, I, and, <laughs> I was wondering if you'd noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is mad. And, and actually, and, if I just come in there, Sam, do you know what was so interesting to me? And I hope Daniel doesn't mind me saying this. Um, Daniel um, has, of course, been on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast as well. And so um, was it? It was after, sorry. So it was after the film had finished and Brian... Brian had done the excellent Q&A with yourself and Gladstone Small, et cetera. And um, so Daniel Bell Drummond had some stuff that he wanted Brian to sign, I think. I swear that's what he had in his hand. So I'm speaking to Daniel, and as God is my witness, Daniel was as excited as me to meet meet Brian Lara. And that kind of really hit home for me. That I was looking at Daniel Bell Drummond thinking, yeah, but you're a really good professional cricketer in your own right. And you're looking at Brian Lara like, oh my God, this is Brian Lara. Like, I gotta go get him to sign this. I've got to go talk to him about this. And as you say, Sam, literally two, three days later, he goes, it's 300. <laughs> and I was thinking the same as you, which is, yeah, you got the anointing from BCL. <laughs> you gotta go hit that 300. But uh, but it really, it really hit home for me. Um, as you say, when Brian turned up at the screen in just how it's the aura. That's the only way to describe it. There is an aura um, about about Brian Lara. Some people are asking questions on the verge of tears to, mm. talking talking to Brian Lara. So I thought that was really interesting in the context of watching the film as well. And even now, to the present day, um, you have people looking at the film and then Brian now and just the, the, the kind of general impact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Looking um, forward, let's get some of these. We've got to plug it for sure. Um, Next month, at the time of recording, in about, what, 13 days' time, 12 days' time, we do, there is, sorry, I say we like I'm in it. So there is is a screening um, of 501. Do you want to just talk about that? Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, so we've got a screening at the Electric Cinema in Birmingham uh, on Saturday the 12th of August at 2 o'clock. Um, it's the, the oldest working cinema in the UK, beautiful art deco building. And I've always wanted to screen the film there. Um, so when they, they kind of agreed to it, I was like absolutely buzzing because they have some really massive films. They've just shown Oppenheimer and, uh, Barbie. Mm. Um, so they show all the big mainstream stuff, but also show independent films as well. And they support independent filmmakers like myself. So, um, yeah, I actually had a, a series of short films for the Commonwealth games on, artistic gymnastics and contemporary jazz that screened um last year featuring joe fraser um, mm. you might might have heard of um so that was a real buzz but to have for 501 not out to be screening there at the electric that's just an absolute dream come true for me and um, they've got these lovely sofas you can order your snacks and they'll bring them up to you from the bar and stuff like that so it's a really really cool venue um and we're doing a q a we've got um archie kalanya who's the diversity cricket uh producer for the for bbc sport She's very kindly offered to host the Q&A. Um, and we've also got George Dobell from The Cricketer coming along as well for the Q&A. So it'll be myself, George and Archie on the on the panel. We'll be open to 
any questions from the audience afterwards as well. Um, and yeah, it'll just be a really fun afternoon celebrating the genius of of Brian Lara. So hopefully people in Birmingham in the Midlands can come, but I'm, but I'm hoping as well because it's a Saturday afternoon, it's a matinee, people might be able to potentially travel from a bit further afield as well. Um, come and spend the afternoon with us in Brum, you know. Um, it's it's going to be awesome to see the film on the big screen. So yeah, Saturday 12th of August. <laughs> Listen, people, I can't, I can't add any more than than Sam has said, other than to say first and foremost the and I know we've got quite a lot of you. Uh, so first and foremost, the Brum diaspora um, or just Brum cricket fans in general, please get along to that if you haven't had a chance to see the film yet. Um, those of you who are not necessarily in Brum, but maybe you've got family in Brum and you're from elsewhere, make up an excuse to go see them, but actually go watch Five Hundred One Out inside. <laughs> <laughs> instead and those of you who are on the outskirts of Brum get along get along to go see it but Sam I know what the obvious question is that people ask me because or ask you they'll say but how do I see it other than that are there future plans because like you said I'm glad you use that phrase second coming um, of the film and I'm sure surely Sam in the back of your mind you're thinking well next year is 30 years since it happens, surely you're thinking that as well in the back of your mind. So, have you got um, any plans for wider releases? For I'm sure you might not be able to give them all away, but like streaming this, that, and the other. Is there obviously people can go to your website, please plug that in a second. But have you got any um, further plans as well? Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, so the website is 501notout.com, and um, we're on Twitter at 501notout. And also Facebook, 501 that's out. And that's kind of Facebook and Twitter is where we kind of update um, interested people on in, in terms of the, the release for the film and other stuff. So great if people can follow us on there. We're on Instagram as well, Iconic Productions UK. So that's my company, I- Iconic Productions. We're RTS Award-dominated company based in Birmingham. Um, but in terms of, yeah, the 30th anniversary, that's, that's massive uh, next year. Not only that, the cricket, the 2020, I think it's the 2020 Cricket World Cups in the Caribbean course, and USA yeah. as well. So yes. that's going to be a course. <laughs> that's going to be a big deal. Um, 30th anniversary of the 501, 30th anniversary of the 375, and I believe, I think I'm right in saying 20th anniversary of the Brian's 400 mm. as well. Um, Brian very kindly gave me this is one of his special caps for limited edition 400, not out caps. Um, but yeah would love to get the film out there on a much much bigger scale and i'm pleased to say we now have a distributor uh, central city central city media they're called um they're actually part of rebellion which is a video game company but also has rebellion film studios as well so they're making feature feature length films and they have a distribute film distribution arm so we've got central city media on board now and they're keen to get the film out there worldwide you know on 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 tv in cinemas um stream you know to streamers on on you know in airlines everything the whole the whole lot so that's really really exciting um but there's quite a lot of work that needs to go on behind the scenes particularly with licensing of the archive footage that we spoke about mm-hmm. um because there's so much archive in there that all needs to be the way it's done is you pay for it incrementally based on you know if it's just going to be at you know in festivals or it's just going to be in cinemas or it's going to be on a streamer or it's going to be on tv there's the deals kind of the costs dif- go up and up and up basically yeah. depending on you know which territories as well you're looking at so it's a big it's a massive load of work to get those rights cleared 
Um, but that's all, it's chicken and egg because that's dependent on whether we've got, you know, the interest there from a, from a broadcaster or a streamer or an airline or, or whatever. And what I can say is we, we are in early stage discussions with a couple of major, major players in terms of broadcasters. Um, so, yeah, keep your fingers crossed for us because I think next year we could have a massive splash with this film. Yeah, and no, no, no. Good, basically, <laughs> is, is 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 my is my sole conclusion on that because this this is one of those independent films that I think is. Of course, you're going to agree with me, Sam, because you're the you're the director. But this is one of those independent films that once it gets that kind of what do I want to say here? Once it gets that kind of attention in the right place at the right time, I think it just a rocket is basically going to be attached because 501 is so iconic and Brian Lara's name is so iconic that, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's naturally just one of those films that when somebody is scrolling and they see it, they're like, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> do you see what I mean? And again, I echo people. I don't know what I expected when I, when I sat down to watch it um, last month, but it superseded whatever I was expecting. Put it this way. And actually this is a, the, maybe the last question I'm going to ask you, Sam. When it finished, I felt it could have gone on for another hour. I felt like Sam had left some stuff in the lockers, or <laughs> back in the editing locker, where I was like, "I wonder what would I, ha- I wonder if Sam could have mentioned this or could he have mentioned that." But I think what's the runtime, Sam? Is it what it's one hour, one hour forty-seven? Yeah, right. So, so one hour forty-seven. Yeah, one hour forty-seven. Fairly substantial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even then, I still felt like if you'd kept me in there for another hour, I don't think anyone would have complained because of just how rich the content is that you you've got there right um but was there i'm just done if you can say but was there anything that you left in the editing booth that in hindsight you look back and go oh we we could have included that or maybe we should have included that or or and again you're a director you're going to say it's exactly what you wanted <laughs> was, there, was there some stuff that like say like you get say you got like a, a netflix deal would there be enough footage that you've got that you could say extended cut, for example? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. There's like hours and hours on the cutting room floor, and that's that's the case. Obviously, in the case of any film, you know, there's all there's loads of uh, stuff that doesn't get you know go into the final edit and stuff. So, yeah, there's a ton of a ton of footage. There was a lot on Warwickshire on the treble mm-hmm. win, treble winning season, um, which some of it has obviously gone in, but a lot of it didn't um because we you know we ended up with such like you said such a rich tapestry of people great people wanting to talk about brian and his and his legacy you know so um yeah i've probably got enough there to do a make a film about the warwickshire treble winning season which yeah yeah yeah. um the there's more there's a bit more from alan donald um there's there's more from pretty much everyone ian bell i got an amazing interview with ian bell um, and probably only a fraction of that has gone into the edit. Um, but there's a lot, lot in there because Ian was, you know, he was he was growing up. He was a youngster on the books at, at Warwickshire at the time, um, and he actually had he had a book that was signed. He got Brian to sign a, a book. Um, you know, he saw him in the car park, kind of thing. Got him, got him to sign this book for him. So I know Brian was a big, you know, had a big influence on Ian, and his, you know, he went on to become this iconic, you know, amazing. Five, I think five-time Ashes winner with England, you know, so with the beautiful aesthetics uh, of a cover drive. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of interview 
bits with with Ian that didn't make it in. But again, would love to make a film about Ian Bell one day. You know, there's there's so much potential. There's so much potential there. Yeah, that 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 thing you said about maybe even looking at Warwickshire because I thought some of the content you got from Dermot Reeve was absolute gold. <laughs> and obviously Dermot Reeve is Dermot Reeve, and then those who know Dermot Reeve, the character, it's no surprise that it's content gold. But even with him, I was like, I feel like Sam could have spoken to Dermot Reeve for about two hours and got so much, so much out of him. Do you know what we actually did, Matt? You hit the nail right on the head. Dermot, Dermot invited us to his to his home, um, mm. and we got amazing, sort of amazing amount of time. It was a good couple of hours uh, with Dermot, um, and he did do some brilliant impressions. He did do the Imran Khan impression, which was really, really funny. Um, needless to say, we I think he might have done Jeff Boycott and a couple of others. Um, needless to say, we that didn't make it into the edit, but <laughs> me and the, the film crew, we were wetting ourselves <laughs> when we met Dermot. He was he was great fun, and yeah, he's a real character. And there's a lot of characters. I mean, Glad Gladstone, obviously, you know, massively grateful to Gladstone for appearing on the Q and A panel um, in London. He's a real character, and you know, he's really funny in the film as well. And Agus has his moments, bless him. Um, when we filmed, we filmed Agus Tino. The dog was literally resting on the floor underneath the, you know, the frame, um, underneath where we, we cut the camera. He was, you know, Tino was just literally on the floor there. So, um, yeah, some great moments. And Curtly Ambrose. I mean, when I got to interview mm. him, he was, I think, the first person I actually interviewed for the film was Sir Curtly. You know, that that was incredible. And I should, I should definitely say a big thank you to Warwickshire County Cricket Club who did help us in those early stages. You know, with you know helping us with the um we're getting the word out there to their members and their fans about the crowdfunding campaign the fact that we're just you know building awareness that we were making this film um and through through warwickshire coming on board that opened a lot of doors for us in terms of getting to some of these big big names in the world of cricket so i should say you know huge thanks thank you to warwickshire a huge thank you to marston's brewery as well who are we're our official headline sponsor obviously they're the beer sponsor for uh for warwickshire Probably seen the Eric Hollies uh, has been many years has been branded from 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 Marston's um, brewery. So again, without their support, we couldn't have made the film. Um, and then obviously our crowdfunders from all around the world who chipped in. Um, yeah, and family and my family, my family, like my my, my my wonderful family, who you know, and friends um, couldn't have made it without their support. And obviously the team wasn't just me. You know, I, I may take some of the credit for it, but. <laughs> as I directed and produced the film, but, you know, we had a, a great team, Brandon, who was our editor, American editor, who didn't know anything about cricket before he, he worked with me on the film. So that was, it was great to bounce off him, you know, me as a big cricket fan and him not as a cricket fan. They had that different perspective. Mm. So it was great working with Brandon and, you know, Brandon edited it. And then um, my colleague, James, who I said, who came out to Trinidad with me, did a fantastic job. Um, there's another, another chap, Tom Tom Martin, who, who was a director of photography in the UK, shot some stunning stunning sequences in the film um i could go on you know i had a in terms of the archive there's a guy called stan stan illich who helped us out with, with accessing that ar- a lot of the archive so i probably miss people out it's the thing if i name drop too many I- i'm going to miss people out but um yeah it was a real a real team effort so just finally um cuz again I, I think this is worth telling people um, so Brian came to the Q and A um, last month uh, for 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 the screening um, at Rich Mix, 
And I remember you telling me, uh, was I think it, uh, I think it was maybe, I don't know, it might have been the emails before the day itself, that, um, or maybe it was on the day that you said Brian had seen like kind of like an on the phone type version of the film. But how, so how did that come about in terms of getting Brian? Because Brian's a busy man. <laughs> how, how, I feel like Brian's flying somewhere every day of his life. So how, just so, just for the, for the people who are going to watch this and are interested in this, I think it's quite fun or quite interesting, the story of how Brian uh, essentially ended up turning up to the, to the Q and A. And um, because that's, <laughs> I mean, it's the biggest endorsement you can get. Yeah, I'm going to come and watch this film in London. Um, I need to be there. So just tell people how that one came about. Yeah, yeah. So um, Brian, uh, one of Brian's good friends, Lawrence, um, he is, I think he lives in Shoreditch and he'd seen that the film was on at the Windrush Caribbean Film Festival. And then he, I think he messaged Brian about it um, and then Brian thought, oh, yeah, I sh I'd, I'd like to see the film. Um, and then I got a message from Nigel Camacho, who's, as I said, the, one of the Trinity Posse Group co-founders and a close friend of Brian's, actually Brian's dentist. Um, and Nigel messaged me on WhatsApp and said, hey, Sam, how's it going? Um, Brian's Brian would like your number, you know? And I was like, wow, okay, that's really, really exciting. Um yeah, you know, you can have, you know, please pass on my number and send, send my best regards to say hi to Brian for me. You should have said no. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, so you send them the number. <laughs> yeah, I sent the number. Um, and then, like, literally a few days later on a Thursday, Thursday afternoon, I was at David Lloyd Leisure Centre, you know, tennis club. Um, I think I played a bit of tennis in the morning. I was doing a bit of work in the afternoon and, phone number you know a trini trini you know i could see it was a trini number come up i was like this is him this is going to be brought this is the man <laughs> and and you know then you kind of hear you hear that kind of sultry kind of smooth voice um and it's like hi is that sam it's like yeah hi is that brian you know and then it's sort of penny drop this is this is brian larry <laughs> he's, he's called me um i'm going to read probably 10 minute 10 12 minute phone conversation just you know catching up he obviously been coaching in the IPL with Sunrisers Hyderabad, so I asked him about a bit about that. Um, asked him about what you know what he was up to, and he said he was kind of coming over to the UK. He had a few commit, few different commitments. I think he was playing charity uh, charity cricket tournament. He had a dinner that he needed to go to, um, but he was really keen to see the film, um, and that blew me away. You know, that was that was incredible, um, and he actually kind of changed some of you know the, the dinner plans that he had. He kind of I think he kind of modified those a bit so he could come to Shoreditch and and see the film and um it was just a really beautiful beautiful evening um mm. and Lawrence had arranged a number of Brian's friends to come along um and we kind of took over the bar it was a Monday night end of June uh and the, the, the guys at Windrush Caribbean Film Festival were really supportive as well should big up big up those guys uh for their support on the night with everything um and yeah just to see him there yeah it, I have to pinch myself to be, to be honest that it actually happened. Um, you know, after all these years to kind of, for him to kind of come and see it and to enjoy it was just means the world to me, you know, absolute world to me. Um, and the fact that he, he, he took part in the Q and a, and then he, he got mobbed. Like you say, he got absolutely like, literally mobbed. He got mobbed. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he was very generous with his time. 
you know, speaking to everyone and posing, you know, did loads of photographs. And he signed, he, he actually signed me a, a, a cricket bat and it's got this, you know, lovely message. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but. Well, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, got it. Yeah, so that that meant that meant the world to me. You know, I've got that got that forever now. You know, so mm. yeah, dream dream stuff. You know, when I set out on the journey back in 2017, when I started making the film, I never in a million years would have thought we'd have got to that that moment in Shoreditch. Um, so yeah, I'm eternally grateful to Lawrence and obviously Brian for coming and. Gladstone and everyone that made you know the Windrush Caribbean Film Festival, everyone that made that night so special. And you, you know, you came along, Mac, as well. It was great to see you, see you there. Uh, thank you for the photos that you took and the video clips. That's much appreciated. Um, so yeah, it's great, great memories, great memories. Um, wasn't the first time I'd met Brian. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into any more detail on that. Um, you know, I'll leave that as a cliffhanger for people. Hopefully, they can. Come along to the Electric Cinema on uh, 12th of August. I'll just uh, end there for, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's nowhere near, anywhere near what Sam has just said about getting Brian along, but I, I, I think I should tell this story just as the final kind of pitch to people to try and get along um, to Birmingham on the 12th, if you can, and if not, follow all the different handles that Sam gave because there will be more and more information coming out over the coming months, years about how to catch this film, etc. But um, on the day when we were leaving the cinema, um, I bumped into a gentleman. I apologise. Um, I should have looked this up beforehand because it's only just occurred to me. I want to say his name was Gary. And if it isn't Gary, the gentleman who it was, I'm so sorry for getting it wrong. But anyway, Sam, I bumped into a gentleman on outside down the stairs and he was with his dad and he said um this sounds like i'm bigging up ccp but it's actually to big you up sam and um he said um I, you're he said something like mash and i said oh hi didn't know who it was and he was like oh um i i follow the caribbean cricket podcast etc and he was like thanks for putting out the tweet about the film today i would never have gone if you hadn't put the tweet out and i told my dad and i said i'm gonna take you tonight i think it was his dad's birthday and he was like that film was absolutely amazing. So people who are listening, this isn't about bigging up CCP. It's more for me to make the point to you that this gentleman who I met and his father were absolutely blown away by the film. And it was, and that was only purely because Sam had reached out to me to let me know it was happening. I said to Sam, I'm going to retweet this to make sure that people know that it's happening. And individuals who I met on that day from Daniel Bell Drummond to this gentleman and his dad were like, that was brilliant. So people, please, if you've got the time on the 12th, go along, go watch it. And like I say, if you haven't follow, follow all the different apps, the apps will be in the description below for those of you watching this on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to it on the audios, all the apps will be in the description below as well and go and follow Sam, the 501 not outs, etc., to get more and more information about how to catch this film because it's one you will definitely want to watch. Sam, I'll leave the final words to you. Just want to say thank you so much for having me on, having me on the show. Uh, it's been great, great to chat. Really enjoyed. enjoyed. We could have chatted, like you said, we could have chatted for a, a, a few more hours. I'm sure. Um, lovely to see you in London as well. Thank you so much for your support to come and see the film in Shoreditch at Windrush Caribbean Film Festival. And, um, yeah, just want to say to all your listeners, um, come and see the film, you know, and I hope, hope you enjoy it. You know, it's, 
a real kind of heartfelt. I'd say it's a it's a love letter really to, to mm. Brian Lara, uh, an ode to Brian Lara. Um, you know, if if my twelve year old self kind of knew what what was going to go on and you know transpire, um, uh, be amazing to kind of for me to go back in time and speak to my twelve year old self and say what. Well, you know, you're going to make this film about your childhood hero and this is what's going to happen and he's going to come and see the film in London. Yeah, it just blow you away, you know, blow me away. Um, so, yeah, I, I I just want to I just want people to see the film now. I just want to share it. I just want to share mm-hmm. it with people. And I feel that Brian's, you know, his achievements, his legacy, him as a person, more than anything, you know, his humility, his generosity, his, you know, his good humour. You know, he's just a really nice normal bloke basically that likes that likes to drink you know likes to likes to drink likes to party likes to lime um and obviously loves his cricket loves his golf too by the way um yeah. but just a really really nice bloke basically and i can gen- genuinely say that from the bottom of my heart you know um so we i just want as many people as possible around the world to, to enjoy you know celebrate his genius really um yeah i think that's it Listen, ladies and gents, that's been Sam Lockyer, director, producer of 501 Not Out. I won't do any last pitch. I think we've done enough. I think you you know where we're coming from. If I if I am saying that this is 1,000% a film you need to watch, I wouldn't say that about any um, any film about, just any old film about West Indies cricket. This is a this is a must-watch, people. And like I say, if you love Brian Lara, and even if you're, you don't love Brian Lara, but you love West Indies cricket and you want to kind of uh, embrace any kind of content around West Indies cricket, this film is a really good place um, to start. So get involved, people. We've given you all the apps. Go and, go and follow. I want to see by, by this time next week when I speak to Sam, I want him to tell me that, He's had about 1,000 extra followers <laughs> since, since this um, episode dropped. So go follow people. Go do what you need to do and make sure you're, if you're around and you can, get to Birmingham um, on the 12th of August. That's been Sam Lockyer. I've been Marshall St. Patrick here at One Half the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you as ever for listening. Thank you and good night. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.